Isaiah chapter 11. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead him. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play in the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand against the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he will set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The envy also of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim, but they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines toward the west, they shall spoil them out of the east together. They shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab, and the children of Ammon shall obey them. And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea, and with his mighty wind shall he shake his hand over the river, and shall smite it from the seven streams, and make men go over dry shod. And there shall be an highway for the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, like as it was to Israel in the day that he came out of the land of Egypt. My text is verse 1 and then verse 10. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, 
and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Verse 10, and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, even as those Greeks came to Jesus saying, Sir, we would see Jesus, that is our heart's desire too as we go again to this prophecy of Isaiah. For there in the book of Isaiah you have so many different portraits of our Savior set forth, don't we? We had that portrait in Isaiah chapter 7 of the virgin conceived and bearing a son, his name Emmanuel. In chapter 8 you had the picture of Christ standing with all those who were given to him by the Father when he says, I and the children whom the Father has given unto me. You had in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the sign of the child that is born and the son that is given. And now in Isaiah chapter 11, the picture of this little branch, this sprouting thing that seems to come out of a dead stump. Why does the Isaiah, the prophet, see a stump? Why does he not see a beautiful tree with lots of leaves and branches and fruit hanging on it, as in the days of King David and King Solomon? And the reason is because of the apostasy and the sin of Israel, the t northern tribe, and also the sin of Judah and Jerusalem. They will not ask help from the Lord. Their enemies come against them. And if one turns back in their Bible, if you have your Bible still open yet, in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 15, God speaks to the nation of Assyria, the great enemy. If you'll remember, Syria, Syria and the northern tribe were going up against Judah and Jerusalem. They wanted to take the king off the throne and put another man on the throne. They wanted to end the line of David. They did not want, Satan did not want Christ to come. King Ahaz will not ask help from the Lord. Instead, he wants to look to Assyria to help him. And yes, Assyria is going to go after the northern tribes, but they're not going to stop there. From the northern tribes, Assyria is also going to come against Judah and Jerusalem. And Assyria wants to boast. They are the axe that's going to cut down the tree of Judah. They are the saw that's going to saw them to pieces. They're going to be the rod that beats Judah to death and its king. And God asks the question through the prophet in Isaiah 10 verse 15, Shall the axe boast itself against him that heweth therewith? 
Or shall the saw magnify itself against him that shaketh it? As if the rod should shake itself against them that lift up? Or as if the staff should lift up itself as if it were no wood? What's the Lord saying there? The Lord is saying it is he who uses Assyria as an instrument in his hand in order to bring judgment against wicked Judah and Jerusalem. Assyria is only an instrument in God's hand. His judgment comes against a wicked people, his own people. And whereas Assyria with all of its trees, will be leveled and will never be risen up again. And that takes place when Babylon comes against Assyria. That tree that was called Judah and Israel, while it will be cut down, chopped to pieces, just a stump in a dry ground, that's not the end of the story. There is a branch that's going to grow up out of that stump. So notice with me the theme, the root of Jesse, raised as a flag. The root of Jesse raised as a flag. Notice, first of all, that term, the root of Jesse. Notice, second of all, it will be raised as a flag to the peoples. And then thirdly, the wonderful fruit. Yes, God is very angry with his people. He is angry because of their apostasy and their sin. And he is going to cut her down using Assyria. After Assyria, there will be Babylon and Judah will be carried away captive. But there will be a remnant that return. For God will remember his covenant. He will remember his servant David. He will raise up that son of David, that seed of David, who will sit upon the throne forever and ever. And that kingdom is going to be a great kingdom. So this note of prophecy is one of joy and gladness. It is the joy and the gladness that we have at this Christmas time, isn't it? Christ Jesus came into this world. He suffered and died for our sins, taking our place, the judgment that you and I deserved. And he is now reigning in heaven. He is gathering his people from all the nations. They will come streaming to the church. And then Christ will come again. The root of Jesse. Look at that term a moment. Notice, Isaiah in his vision does not see Abraham with that great blessing that he is going to be a blessing to all nations. And Isaiah does not in his vision now see David who is that mighty conquering king and he does not see Solomon who has a kingdom of peace with all the nations paying tribute to him no his vision goes there to that little town 
called Bethlehem. Bethlehem there in that small tribe of Benjamin. Bethlehem where there is a little unknown town where there's a farmer. A farmer who has sheep. And his eye goes to that man who was born of Boaz and Ruth, if you will remember, boys and girls. Ruth, who came out of the land of Moab and normally would not be accepted into the Israel nation, Boaz has compassion on her. Boaz, as her redeemer, buys back the land that belongs to Naomi and to Ruth then, and she becomes a mighty mother in Israel Jesse is born, and that's the one the eye goes to. And of Jesse's family, there were a whole bunch of sons, some of them very good-looking, tall, handsome, strong. And as Samuel is going to anoint one of that family, he has to go from one son to the next down the line, and all the sons appeared. Are there no more, he asked Jesse. Well, yes, Jesse says, yes, my youngest one is out there taking care of the sheep. And he is called in. Do you see how the Lord takes small things, seemingly impossible things, in order to bring about his kingdom? And so it is now the house of Jesse, or the root of Jesse, that that tree grew up under David and Solomon, a glorious kingdom, and even rather prosperous and glorious in the time of Uzziah the king. Still prosperous under wicked king Ahaz, God's judgment is going to come. It's going to come from the Assyrians, first of all, and then second of all, it's going to come from Babylon. But the amazing thing, most trees, when you cut them off right even with the ground, that's it. And finally, that stump decays, especially when it's in dry ground. But there are some trees that when they are cut down, a little shoot comes up from the roots of it yet. And that's the figure that is now used for Judah and Jerusalem, it is the figure used for Christ Jesus and his glorious kingdom. The figure of a tree that has been cut down, but the roots are down there and the roots are alive because in the roots there is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is in the loins of Jesse and the house of David. So whereas the mighty trees of Assyria are going to be cut off and they will be no more of God's people, Israel and of Judah, there will be a remnant. It looks like they are completely cut down. That is, the ten tribes are carried away into Assyria and never to return again. And Judah goes out to Babylon with only 49,000 plus coming back, a very small remnant. 
It is by God's grace and God's faithfulness. There is this branch. There is this growth that comes out of what seems a dead tree. Never will there be another king to sit upon the earthly throne of David. But there is one who is going to sit on the throne forever and ever. What a prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful prophecy to hold on to. As the world today in the church, there's much apostasy. And as this wicked world hates the church and seeks to persecute it, and will especially do so under the Antichrist, there's hope, there's joy, there's happiness, for God is faithful. God remembers his covenant, and his king, Christ Jesus, is sitting on the throne, and no one will dethrone him. So the figurative language used here is the tree that is cut down. What Enemies there always are against Christ's church and Christ himself. We can trace that, can't we, throughout history? We can go to Adam and Eve as they bring forth children into this world and Cain kills Abel. So there is the line of Seth. And this line of Seth grows and grows, but they start seeing the daughters of men and intermingle. And finally, that line of Seth also is almost completely cut down. There's only Noah and his three sons and their wives that are saved. And then Shem's line grows and grows. And again, there is Abraham who is chosen out to carry on the line of God's people. There is in the history of God's people brought down into Egypt, bondage. And now Assyria attacking. Assyria is a picture in our text of the evil world that we live in and Satan behind it trying to cut off the church of Christ Jesus. And just as that has taken place throughout the Old Testament, it continued in the New Testament, doesn't it? The new church, made up of Jews and Gentiles, hated by the Jews and the Romans, and they try to kill the Christian church. Or think of the church during the time of the Reformation. All the dark ages there that the church had to go through, but then God brings out a small few through the Reformation. Or look at our own history. 1953, our church decimated, wasn't it? It was the Lord using an axe and using a saw and using a rod. Two-thirds of the churches taken away or leaves or even more recently in our history again a split yes it is the lord's doing assyria might boast itself but the lord is saying there in isaiah 10 verse 15 oh acts are you going to boast yourself against him that heweth therewith it was god himself 
that was bringing these nations against Israel in his love for them, to chastise them, to bring them to repentance. What a wonderful, wonderful appearance we have all of a sudden then. Out of this tree that is cut down, cut down so much that there is not one man on the throne anymore. In fact, as far as that line of David where the king is supposed to come from, it's finally reduced to a virgin. A virgin. Is there any hope for the one seed of David that's going to sit on the throne forever and ever? And the answer is yes. For God causes a great wonder, doesn't he? In his faithfulness, the Holy Spirit conceives a son in the womb of Mary. Christ Jesus. And when we look at his kingdom, it is kind of like that little sprout that comes out of the, root, out of the, uh, the roots of Jesse, isn't it? You don't find Jesus Christ born in a palace. He's not there born in Jerusalem. And there's not a large group around him hailing his birth. No, it's in that little town of Bethlehem where there's not even room for him there either. He's lying there in a little cave in a manger of hay. A great kingdom? No, it doesn't look like it yet. Humble shepherds hear the wonderful song of the angels and they come to worship. And Gentiles come from the far east and they worship that child when he is in the house with his parents. And that child is not even two years old. And Satan again is going after that child with its parents. So they have to flee to Egypt. What a marvelous, marvelous prophecy. There is that sprout from the house of David. Christ Jesus. And that little sprout is going to be a branch a branch that is very fruitful. It is the kingdom of Christ Jesus. And we're going to see it's a powerful kingdom. It's a wonderful kingdom. Notice with me then in the second place, a new figure is given. So in Isaiah's vision, first of all, there is this tree that was cut down and just a little sprout coming up and a branch. But then we read in verse 10, And in that day shall a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. Boys and girls, what is an ensign? An ensign is a banner that is held up. Whenever we would go to different churches in the Philippines, we were going to come, they would put up a big banner welcoming our churches to, to bringing the gospel there. So a banner would be held up. Or another good term for 
an ensign is a flag. Why a flag? A flag because it holds up the identity of those that it represents. And the army, when the soldiers would go forth, they would take a flag with them. And that would be a symbol there that would unite the soldiers together. It would identify them as soldiers of the United States. It would also separate them from all else. This root of Jesse, that is Christ Jesus, is going to be held up as a flag. Identity of all those whom God has given to Christ Jesus in eternity. They are united together as God's people. They have been separated out from the world as his church. And they serve together. They are made one. That is one faith, one hope, one baptism, one in Christ Jesus. When is that going to take place? Well, notice in verse 10, it says, and in that day shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign to the nations. In that day. And you read that again in verse 11. What is that day? It's the day of the Lord. In other words, Isaiah is given by God the vision of, of Christ coming to save, to establish his kingdom, to realize that kingdom, and to gloriously fulfill that kingdom. When is that day? It's not a calendar day, December 25, but rather it is a day used in Scripture as a period of time in other words, the Old Testament prophets are looking ahead like you might if you're driving in Colorado and say you're about 50 miles away from the mountains. It looks like there's the mountains in front of you, 50 miles away. But you can't see the valleys in between the mountains, can you? And neither could the Old Testament prophets see the valley between Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming. That is the day of the Lord. For as we read in the scriptures, a day to the Lord is like a thousand years, or a thousand years are like one day. In that day, that is the coming of Christ Jesus. Between his first coming and his coming again in glory. In that day, the root of Jesse, which seems so small, so significant, Christ Jesus, born to a virgin, born in a little manger in a little way town called Bethlehem. That kingdom is established by his death, by his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. And that kingdom is growing and growing and growing, isn't it? What was just a little branch, what was just a little sprout out of dead, dry ground grows up and produces much fruit. 
And now notice with me, that root stands as an ensign, as a flag. But a flag of whom? And we read here, and in that day shall a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the peoples. To it the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Or again, verse 12. And he will set up an ensign for the nations. Here is a vision that Isaiah has never seen before. The Old Testament saints didn't see it. There would be the Jewish flag. In other words, the hope was there for Jew, the Jews as a nation. That's how God would deal with them. Or the few Gentiles coming in as proselytes. But now, Christ Jesus is this flag or this banner of the nations. The nations. The promise that was way before to Abraham, he would be a blessing to the nations. The nations are going to flow to Christ's kingdom. It's going to be the reversal, isn't it, of the Tower of Babel. Because of sin, they wanted to make a name for themselves. God separated the people into many different nations with different languages. But now in Christ Jesus, he's going to gather the nations. Oh, there was a few in the Old Testament, but all that's going to change, isn't it? It's going to change with these Greeks who come seeking Jesus. It's going, it changed with those wise men that came looking for the king born to the Jews. It changes with Pentecost, where the gospel goes out and there are those who come. Now the question might be, how do the heathen know about Christ? How do they see him as this flag that is held up there, glorious, of a glorious kingdom? Whoops, sorry. <clears throat> the word of the Lord comes to Isaiah with this new aspect. Nations flowing to Christ Jesus. How do they know about Christ? Well, how do you and I know about Christ? Don't we read about that in Romans chapter 10? For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do they know about him? Romans 10 verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? 
And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How do they know? They know because the word is preached. The word who was incarnate comes to them through the spoken word, through the scriptures. When the scriptures are opened up, Christ is set forth in the scriptures. And we are given faith to see him and to love him and we are drawn to him. Oh, notice that is not us by nature. Pictured here are the nations being hungry for Christ Jesus, hungry for God's word. That doesn't happen by nature. By nature, we would hate Christ. We would hate God's word. It's the wonder of God, the same wonder that created Christ Jesus in the womb of Mary is the wonder that makes room in your and my hearts for Christ so that we love him. We are drawn to him, drawn irresistibly to him. You see, the root of Jesse is an international flag, isn't it? It's not the stars and the stripes of America. It's not the flag of a particular nation. If I were going to use, continue to use the idea of the flag there, it would be the Christian flag that sometimes we have up in school along with the American flag. It is the flag of God's people looking to Christ Jesus who is before them as the banner that is over them. Oh, the Gentiles seek him, don't they? Let me read those two beautiful verses again. And in that day shall a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Or again, verse 12, and he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Do you see that figure? We had the figure of the tree that was cut down, but the branch or the shoot that comes up out of it becoming glorious. We have now a picture of the flag of Christ Jesus. And you and I, by God's grace, looking to Christ Jesus, loving Christ Jesus, identified with Christ Jesus, separated out from the world to Christ Jesus, our unity of God's people. One people, one faith, one baptism, one hope. Seeking. Seeking by God's grace. Seeking because hearts have been made new, faith planted there so we are eager to hear the word what an incentive our text is for preaching isn't it what an incentive it is young boys young men parents mothers what an incentive to 
ask your children, to challenge your children. Does the Lord want you to enter into the gospel ministry? What an incentive for our church to do mission work here in the community. To have missionaries, not only in our country, but in nations around the world. Because God has a promise here. It's sure. The Lord's going to do this. By the preaching of the word, Christ is held up like a flag and the nations will flock to it. They will seek to be identified with it. And the kingdom of Christ Jesus will grow. A universal flag of Christ Jesus. Don't you want that flag hoisted up? Don't you love to hear the word opened up? Don't your eyes long for the Christ who is set forth in the scriptures? Like those Greeks who came to Jesus' disciples, Sirs, we would see Jesus. May that be your my attitude every Sunday morning and every Sunday night. May it be our desire every day of our lives as we have our devotions at home, around the table, or our private devotions. Oh, to see Jesus. Oh, to feed on his word and his glorious promises. Oh, to look forward to his kingdom, growing and growing and finally fully realized in the new heavens and the new earth. And that brings me, doesn't it, to my third point. The wonderful fruit. Unlike many of these little sprouts that come out of fallen trees around us, I don't think any landscaper would get paid any money to try to dress those things up. You just dig out the old stumps. But this branch that comes up is going to bear wonderful fruit. And that's all those verses between verse 1 and verse 10, isn't it? What is the fruit of this branch that is now as a flag, a universal flag of Christ's church? Well, isn't it wonderful rest? The rest that Christ Jesus gives that's a powerful theme throughout the scripture god's people when they were in egypt and then wandering in the wilderness they looked forward to that land of rest that land of milk and honey to which they were going to be brought that was a type wasn't it and types are always imperfect in other words, we're going to look beyond the Israelites in the wilderness and finally coming to the land of Canaan because why are we going to look further? Well, we're going to look further because even when they enter into the land of rest, the land of Canaan, no more wandering in the wilderness, they still had all kinds of enemies, didn't they? Enemies that would fight against them. And the best that David could do is finally to bring those nations to pay tribute not willingly, they had to pay tribute to Israel. There's a greater rest than that. And that's what we read in Hebrews chapter 4 also. 
the rest that Joshua brought to Israel, bringing them in the land of promise, looks forward to a greater rest in Jesus Christ, a rest that you and I enter into by faith. A rest because Jesus Christ was victorious on the cross. He took away our sins. He defeats our enemies, Satan, sin, death. And you and I now by faith enter into that rest. But it's still partial, isn't it? That is, after Sunday, we have to go back into the world on Monday, don't we? And Monday through Saturday, as well as on Sunday, we have to wrestle with the sinful nature that still is within us. We still live in a wicked world that hates Christ Jesus and hates the church. So even though by faith we now enter into his rest when we're worshiping, we look forward to the day when Christ comes again. And that's that day with the new heavens and the new earth. And what's that day going to be like? No more enemies. For Satan and his whole host... And all the wicked will be doomed to hell. And God's people will rest in the new heavens and the new earth with Christ Jesus, their Lord. They have the victory. But it's a great hope, far greater than what one would ever think. And sadly to say, most churches don't even have this view. They see souls that are saved by Christ's cross, but they don't see a world that is redeemed. It is a new heavens and a new earth where everything is united. Here in this world, there are animals that kill other animals. And the animal world was against human world. There's strife, there's death, there's killing. But this branch that comes out of the fallen tree, that little shoot, brings about a kingdom of the new heavens and the new earth where everything is united. Where there is a new creation. Where there's not fighting. Where there is no more death. Let me read it. The wolf also will dwell with the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with a kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child will lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. And the young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play in the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a note of joy and rejoicing. The kingdom of Jesus Christ, yes, in this world is always a small remnant. But one day, one day there will be no more opposition. One day, Living with Christ Jesus who is on his throne forever and ever. We enjoy him. We enjoy one another. We enjoy a whole new creation 
united in Christ Jesus. Oh, the rest of Christ that you and I enter now by faith. You see, when I look at myself, when I'm honest, when I examine myself, I see all kinds of sin. I find all kinds of reasons to despair of any hope. Can anything good come from me and my life? The answer is no. But God does the impossible. As that little shoot comes up from the stump, the branch bears much fruit. God's children who know and love him and over against then seeing my sin, the Holy Spirit, which is given to us, which we read of in also verse 2, don't we? And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, that's upon Christ, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That same Spirit dwells in us. And that Spirit then holds before you and me this hope. Of myself, I'm sinful. I don't deserve life. But Christ Jesus was given. Christ Jesus reigns. Christ Jesus, by his Spirit, gives new life in these dead stumps so that we can bear fruit to God's glory. Portraits of the Messiah. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and call his name Emmanuel. Christ Jesus says, I am the children whom the Lord has given to me. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A branch. A branch grows up and bears fruit. God's glory. God's people. Amen. Father,